This is your emergency broadcast system. You are listening to the hashtag This with the Beer podcast. Business that you never heard before. Now, belt up and shut up. It's going to be a bumpy flipping ride. May God be with you all. Once again, to the show where we say what we want to say. This is the 51st episode of the business podcast that is authentic, shameless, unapologetic, and raw. This is the hit business podcast, hashtag biz with the beard podcast, business as you've never heard before. I'm your host, the guy who believes that if your work tells you to shave your beard off, tell them it's against your religion. And if they ask you what religion it is, Tell them it's man. I am the beard, Kerfee Smith. And I want to give a sincere shout out to all our listeners and now viewers. I'm truly, truly appreciative of all of you and all your support. Everything you guys have given us, again, it's very appreciative. And the show continues to grow because of people like you. Now, if you enjoyed today's show or the actual episode, please subscribe on the many, many platforms that we're on. Just to give you some examples, we're on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, wherever the hell you listen to, we're on about all of them. So please uh, uh, do a search and listen to us on one of your favorite platforms. If you get something out of today's show, and I know you will, please give it a five stars, then remind all your friends and connections on your social media pages to subscribe and listen as well. And as you may have just heard, I said viewers, that's right. That means hashtag biz with the beer podcast in its entirety, is now on our YouTube channel as well. So go out to that channel, subscribe there as well, give us a thumbs up, leave a comment, and share it with your friends. So let's talk about today's guest. He helps high net worth individuals, real estate investors, business owners, and retirees grow and protect their wealth predictably and safely. He has quickly cultivated a reputation for putting his clients first, no matter what. He has appeared on podcasts and shows all over the world, and he is the owner and founder of Financial Asset Protection. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am pleased to have on the show from the windy city of Chicago and my home state of Illinois, Mr. Sarah Ibrahim. Welcome to the hashtag biz with the beard podcast. Hi, Kerfi. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. How's the weather up there in Chicago, man? Oh, it's not so bad. Just raining right now. Raining about 40 degrees, not so bad. <laughs> as I know, as you probably know, I do not miss that whatsoever. So uh, yeah. people are listening to the show probably for the first time don't realize I used to live in Illinois, uh, moved away a couple of years ago, but now I am in uh, beautiful Georgia, where it's always sunny, what's supposed to be always sunny, but we're experiencing some very severe weather down here today. But uh, still, it's not 40 degrees. It's uh, It'll be in the 60s, maybe 70. So I'll take that. So any all the snow's gone though yet, or is it still hanging around? No, all the snow's gone, but you can never turn your back on Chicago. It might come next week. Who knows? Yeah. Is that wind whipping off the uh lake or yeah, yeah. yeah can you yeah. hear it actually? No. <laughs> is it that bad? You can hear it. How, how yeah, close are how close are you to the lake? Pretty close. I'm I like um like three three hundred feet away from the lake. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. So right if we lake. start seeing you sway a little bit, we'll know what that what that is, right? So, right. Uh, well, hey, before we get in the show, I got to give a weekly beard fact. All right. Um, 
again, I'm doing this weekly beard fact because I have a beard and I think beards are great. And I've seen you with some uh, facial hair on a couple of photos. So uh, <laughs> you just got to let it go, man. I know you can yeah. do it. You, you, you've got, you've got, you've got the genetics. I can tell, man. So you, you need, you need to let, uh, you know, grow what God gave you. So, um, but anyway, I am going to do the weekly beard fact. And those who know me know I may be considered kind of a conspiracy theorist sometimes when it comes Mm -hmm. to our government. I don't trust our government very well, especially our politicians. I think it's more (laughs) of our politicians. I don't know that I don't trust the government. I don't trust our politicians, but uh, I always feel they're always up to something. But did you know sociologists claim that when you have distinctive facial hair, Mm -hmm. anything visible, even stubble, these are the traits people tend to associate you with. They are being aggressive, dominant, mm-hmm. and very mature. Mm-hmm. Now, traits like those, uh, you know, aggression, dominance, maturity, you could all be associated with, you know, what I would say a lot of dictators around the world, wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what, you know, they want to come off as to their people, right? Did you know back mm-hmm. in the early 60s, the CIA came up with a plan to put thallium salts into Fidel Castro's shoes? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, our, our CIA, they, they want to do that. You know, thall- you know, people don't know, thallium salts are what women use to remove unwanted hair, or I think it's called a deploratory, deplor- I'm horrible to pronounce that word. But uh, in case you ain't familiar with that, so, but they, they figure by using the thallium salts, the goal was to ruin Castro's public image. Uh, by making his beard fall out. <laughs> so, oh my God. I know. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? So, but well, I, if you study history, as many of you know, uh, that, that never happened, of course. And uh, the plot failed to take action and his shoes, you know, nor his beard were ever tampered with. So, um, makes you know, makes you wonder, though, if the CIA was successful in their attempted beard assassination of Castro, um, you know, some 60 years ago, where would we have been or what, what how would that would affect his power, you know? So it's, it's kind of interesting, right? I guess, mm-hmm. it, yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess it'd be gastronomical, right? Maybe know, that's, that's, that was horrible. I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the weekly beard fact. Our CIA wants to get rid of beards. Um, so, so again, we've already mentioned from the home state of, of Illinois and the great city <laughs> of Chicago. Um, what's your favorite, you know, part about Chicago? What do you, what do you love about it? Uh, my favorite part about Chicago is um, the restaurants, for sure. A lot okay. of restaurants in Chicago, a lot of different types of restaurants from different countries, and they're really authentic. Like a lot of people make food here as if like they're in their foreign countries, you know. So a lot of yeah. diversity uh, in Chicago. And I was and I was born and raised here, so I lived here my whole life. I grew up in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. Where at? Um, near Orland Park. Okay. And, um, and then, yeah, now I live in Lincoln park on the North side of Chicago. And yeah, I love the, the there's a lot, there's always a lot, th- a lot of things to do. Um, COVID kind of obviously, you know, ruined that, but there's still a lot of stuff to do in Chicago. It's never just an ordinary day. Um, yeah. what I don't like about Chicago, the traffic is terrible. Um, <laughs> parking is yeah. terrible. It's expensive. Those are kind of the downsides with Chicago. Yeah. Well, you may mention the great restaurants and I will tell you the one thing that I miss leaving the state of Illinois and not being near Chicago is there aren't any pizza restaurants worth a shit down here. I mean, they're just the horrible. So, and (laughs) I miss, I truly miss the Chicago style pizza. I mean, no, nobody has it down here. And I think there's one or two that try to do it nowhere near me. I think you have to go in the city of Atlanta and, uh, but yeah, there's nothing like that. So, I mean, there's, it's unique. It's one of my favorite, 
I mean, when you can get filled up on one slice of pizza, you know, that that's a pie, man. That's, that's what I truly, truly, truly miss. So are you a big pizza fan guy? I mean, you gotta be right. You're up in Chicago, right? Yeah, I am, but I, I, I'm going to sound spoiled. Um, I kind of got over the Chicago style pizza because <laughs> I had so many spoiled, so I just, right? Yeah. I, I just, I just like thin slice now. <laughs> are you serious, right? So, <laughs> man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. There, there's about five. My, my favorite one. It's funny because I just saw it on Barstool Sports was uh, pizza and oven grinder. You know where that is? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The little pizza pots, right? Uh -huh. I thought it was the funniest thing because uh, the barstool sports guy, you know, he's going right. He does his pizza reviews, and he goes in, and he pulls out one of these pots, and he's trying to eat it like a real slice of pizza. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is he doing, man? And he's getting really mad about it, and he's just, you know, he, and he only gave him like a seven point one, but that's probably one of my favorite spots in all of Chicago. But I mean, there's the Unos, Diagiano's, mm -hmm. Lou Malnati's, Gino's mm -hmm. East, man. I, those, I love those, man. Mm -hmm. I keep seeing this Pequod's though. What have you been to that? What is it called? Is it Pequods? Pequods? I heard of it. I didn't go there yet. Yeah, I, no. I've heard of it too. It's popping up everywhere. I don't know if it's a newer place, but I haven't heard that. But yeah, you know, uh, yeah, man, Lou Malnati's and Diagiano's. I have, yeah, man, that's that's the good stuff, man. I, I need to, I can, I need to make a trip back there. I'll crash at your place if that's okay. We'll, we'll yeah, yeah, for sure. Come on, I'll yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you get some thin slices. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell let's get into you and let's start getting into the show a little bit more about why you're actually here instead of talking about peace in Chicago and the, and the weather, right? That's kind of stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I did some studying on you and I went back and I, I got to ask, tell me about your job as a civil rights intern and how and why did you get involved in that? And do you still get involved at all? Because I, I, I see what you do now and I kind of see your education, but I saw that and I, I got to ask about it. Yeah, that was, yeah, that, that, this is the first time I actually was asked about this. Um, so this was a long time ago. I, was still, yeah, I like, do my homework on this show. So you better be ready. Man. We're, we're yeah, this the is, first 10 minutes in. <laughs> I was like a junior in college and I wanted to be a lawyer. So I, I was doing my undergraduate degree in criminal justice. And then I was going to graduate with my bachelor's in that and then go to law school to be a criminal defense attorney. That was my goal. Um, it was also my goal. That was like option A. Option B was to get my MBA and then go down the path of financial consulting, business consulting. Um, so it was either one of those two options. And during that time, I was like, you know what? <clears throat> uh, I'll keep my options open. I'll do this internship just to kind of have something on my resume so I can go to law school. And it was an intern. It was a civil rights organization in Chicago. And they helped people who had like civil rights that were violated. If like they had a job and they were like um, terminated for no reason or if um, they were arrested by the police and it was a, a wrongful cause or what, it was some sort of their civil rights were, were um, their civil rights right. were violated. Violated, right, yeah. Exactly. Then my job was to screen those clients, those applicants, ask them questions. And then so you had a difference between what's bullshit, what was real. Yeah. Story? And then I would take that <laughs> and then. <laughs> How did you do it. that? I just asked questions, you know, yeah. and then. And then even put myself in their shoes because I couldn't give any advice. I was still like a junior in college. I didn't yeah, know anything yeah. about the law or anything. So I just had to ask questions. And, and a lot of it's common sense. And, um, and, I, <laughs> and, then, and then every day we would take that information to the lawyer, at the general counsel. And then we would like present it and be like, I have a case here. And then the lawyer would ask questions and be like, all right, go back and ask if this what happened or that happened. And then we could see if we could represent them and actually make right. a case out of this. And I think like 90% of the time, 95% of the time, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, yeah. Only just a, a very small percentage of the time, it actually goes to um, handle um, a civil rights case or goes to the EOC or 
um, a, a, some sort of federal regulatory body that right. helps with uh, civil rights violations. Okay. So if somebody didn't hire me because of my awesome beard, does that count as a civil rights? I, I, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I'm no. not a lawyer. So I, I mean, <laughs> if, you, if, what if, you're if, telling me, I fall on that 90% is what you're saying, right? You guys aren't, you guys aren't from defending. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, your business is called Financial Asset Protection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you say to people who ask you what it is you do exactly and how do you help them? Mm -hmm. So we, we're a financial services firm and we help clients with their financial portfolios and, and help grow their, their wealth over time and also protect it from various risks. Like outside, we, we help protect it from predator risks, from market risks, from inflation and from other risks. Um, and, and we have clients in all 50 states. So this is pretty much what we do. Um, my background kind of started off in insurance mostly. So I was, I was working as an insurance consultant and a Medicare consultant, and then found out about this concept called the bank on yourself concept or infinite mm -hmm. banking. A lot of business owners use this, a lot of real estate investors use this. And then when I came across this concept, that's when I founded the company Financial Asset Protection. So our main focus is the utilization of the infinite banking concept. Okay. But is that, is, now, would you say that's why I should choose you or anybody should choose you and your firm because of that concept? Yeah, I, I think that, so yeah, once we, as we we're probably going to talk more about the concept, yeah, the, the, the concept has a lot of benefits that'll help business owners, help people protect their businesses, their families, uh, mm -hmm. protect themselves. Yeah, there's a lot of benefits with that. And I think that this is what separates us from other traditional financial advisors. Because when you think of, usually, typically, when you think of financial advisor, you're thinking of, all right, you know, which stocks am I going to buy or which right, bonds yeah. or which mutual, mutual funds. funds. That's kind of, yep. Mm -hmm. the, the conventional way of, of investing your money or saving your money is you put it in the stock market. Um, and then we don't do, so we're, we're on the opposite end of the opposite end of the risk. We don't do anything in the stock market. We have referrals that we can, if somebody really wanted to invest in the stock market, we can do, we can have referrals to that. But we, we, we specialize on this concept, the infinite banking concept, and we show people how to grow wealth regardless of market conditions. Because when you invest in the stock market, that is directly correlated to market conditions. Yeah. When market goes up, your money goes up. When market goes down, your money goes down. But what if there's a way where you can have your money grow regardless of those trends in the, in the market? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. You, you brought it up. You bank on yourself policy, right? Mm -hmm. Explain to me at a high level mm -hmm. first what this is and how it is different. I mean, you kind of made mention, you know, it's not about, about the markets and basically a monkey could be making money on the markets right now. It's pretty easy, <laughs> right? It's yeah. not, it's not that hard. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. Um, but uh, tell me again, why, you know, what it is exactly this bank mm -hmm. on yourself a policy or term. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of a counterintuitive approach. It is the utilization of dividend paying whole life insurance. So I'll kind of back up. Uh, there's three types of life insurance. There's term life insurance, whole life, and yep. universal. Term is a set period of time. It has a start date and end date. Um, and it, uh, there's no cash value. It's just life insurance only. Whole life has a start date and it's for your whole life. It, the only way it ends is if you pass away or if you stop making payments to it. But it also has cash value in it too. It has equity in it that you could right. leverage in the future. And then universal is a combination of term and whole life. But I won't get too far into universal. But for the, for the purposes of, of explaining the bank on yourself concept, it's only uh, whole life insurance, dividend paying, cash value, whole life insurance. So the point is to build up as much cash value as you can. And as you're building up the cash value in this policy, in the whole life policy, 
it's earning interest and dividends from the insurance company that it's a part of. So that's how your money grows over time. And it's not hindered by market conditions and it's always accessible. You can always borrow against it. And right. the bank on yourself concept is utilizing the strategy in various ways, in your business, right. in your real estate portfolio. If you're a full-time employee, saving money, accessing it again, that's that's what pretty much the bank on yourself concept is. So it basically comes, it comes to the strategy. So mm -hmm. I would say when someone asked you, um, whole life policies are bad and mm -hmm. what, what, what do you say to those individuals say, you know, I, I've listened to the experts. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't do a whole life policy. What do you say to those people who say that? Mm -hmm. I, I would say it could be, yeah, they're right. It could be a terrible strategy if it's not structured the right way from the right person, from the right company, but there has to be a lot of alignment within that. It has to be the, the, the right way. So there's a checklist that people have to follow. So number one, it has to be whole life insurance. It can be anything else. It has to be whole life insurance. Number two, it has to be from a mutually owned insurance company. So it can, the opposite of that is a stock owned company. Mutually owned insurance companies give their dividends and profits back to the policy owners, whereas okay. stock, -owned stock owned insurance companies give their dividends and profits right. back to the shareholders. So you need to make sure it's a mutually owned company so that way you can get the, those dividends back. The third is it has to have something called the paid up additions rider. This is a part that you add to the policy that helps increase the cash value over time. It also helps with flexibility. So some years you could pay less, you could pay more. Not every company offers the paid up additions rider. So you need to make sure that it's, it's, it's offered and it's included in the right way. There's a right blend between uh, the paid up additions rider and other parts of the policy. So you need an expert to know how to, how to structure the policy this way. And the fourth is something called non-direct recognition. This is a fancy financial term. It means that let's say, for example, you have $100,000 in cash value in the policy, and then you borrow $50,000 from the insurance company leveraging your money. If it's a non-direct recognition company, they'll keep paying you interest and dividends on your entire $100,000 as if you didn't touch it. Right. It's like saying, for example, you have a, a home that's $500,000, you borrow $100,000 against it from an outside bank. It doesn't decrease the value of your home. It just increases your liability. Now you owe the bank $100,000 now, but it doesn't subtract from the value of your, of your property. Same right. thing with whole life insurance. When you borrow against it, it does not subtract from the from the balance you're borrowing against it and if it's a non-direct recognition company they'll keep paying you interest and dividends on your entire sum um, as if you didn't not, touch it right okay well that makes sense um i'm gonna get into the strategy a little bit before we jump into that who and when should really be considering this this boi uh, strategy mm -hmm. and you know thanks for that answer because i think you kind of answered why people should choose you and your firm you pointed out four specific areas why because you know hey someone's anybody's going to say a whole life policy just especially an insurance agent but it mm -hmm. comes down to the strategy just like you said so mm -hmm. you you've clicked my interest mm -hmm. who you know who is ideal for this and when ideally um somebody who is a real estate investor um, or a business owner or both, or even if they're a full-time employee and they just want to save for the future. Um, and I, I think so. It's kind of back up a little bit. I think anybody, so we're all in the banking industry. Everybody's in the banking industry. If you make money, you earn money and you spend money, you're in the banking industry. Why? Because we use banks for checking accounts, savings accounts, credit cards, auto loans, mortgages. You know, but the problem is, is that we're sitting on the wrong side of the banking table. Um, the average American spends one third of their money on servicing loans. So if they make $100,000 a year, they're paying $33,000 of that on average to service student loans, auto loans, mortgages, credit card debt, um, and other types of debt. 
Um, so, and, and that's the issue is that so many people are focused on being in a low interest environment. Like, oh yeah, my, you know, my student loans are only 3%. My mortgage is 3%. My car note is three and a half percent. So everybody wants to stay in this low interest environment. But the problem is it's not the interest rate. It's the volume of interest. It's how many times you're paying interest over and over again. That's the mm -hmm. problem. And the bank on yourself concept helps with that. It's a, it helps with that solution to that problem is that you could take back financial, take back financial control of your life. So the answer is, is that I think that at any time, at any point, somebody could utilize the strategy in different ways. We have different solutions, different products for, for different people. We always do a full, thorough financial analysis with all our clients. It takes 60 to 90 minutes to do. Right. And it's also just asking questions, getting to know their financial situation, getting to know where they want to go, their objectives. And then we build out a solution from that. So for example, if somebody is 22 years old, they just started their first professional job and they have an extra 300 or $500 a month they want to save, that'll work. And then fast forward to somebody who is 45 years old, experienced business owner, real estate developer, real estate investor, and you know they have $100,000 a year that they want to allocate to eventually start their own lending company, we could do that as well. So a lot of different ways that we could do it um, and, and different levels that we could do it for. Okay. Well, let's go on a couple of examples if you, if you can. You may mention a couple of times of a uh, real estate professional. Mm -hmm. how, how can a real estate professional you know, utilize this type mm -hmm. of strategy? Mm -hmm. So a couple of different ways. So it depends on what they're kind, what kind of real estate they're doing. Let's say, let's say they, they do buy uh, and, and, and flips, right? So they buy a property, fix it up and then sell Flip it. it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Within like a six month, um, maybe even less than that, like three month, three to five month range. Um, usually they're going to go to a bank to, to borrow that money. Uh, and then that's typically the, the best route to go, but it, there's also, it takes the longest route to do it, to go to a bank. And then the alternative would be to go to a hard money lender or a private money lender. This is somebody, just an individual or a smaller company, and their job is to loan out money at higher interest rates, but in faster time. So they can get their money in like five business days, you know, as opposed to uh, conventional loans of 30 days or, or even longer sometimes. Yep. They could do it in like five business days. So that's another thing. But the problem with hard money is that it's high interest, usually double. Uh, two times, you know, you probably pay like 12% interest on a hard money loan. But right. a lot of real estate investors don't really mind that because of the time, you know, time is more important to them because they can buy it, flip it, turn it around, make a profit and still pay it all before the bank has even approved their loan. Yeah. Um, so hard money too. And then the third option would be cash. If they're just using straight cash from their bank account and just doing all this, skipping all the banks. But right. the problem with the cash route is cash that- flow. Cash flow, yeah, that's one. And then two is you you lose the opportunity cost you could have earned on that money had it been saved somewhere. Right. So if you had the money- Because the BOI can still earn gaining interest even though you borrowed on it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and then the fourth option would be utilizing the strategy, the bank on yourself strategy. This is where you could save money for your future, borrow against it, have access to it in three to five business days, um, uh, use it, still have the money grow. It, it addresses all the concerns. It addresses the concern of building wealth it addresses the concern of having instant liquidity and not having to qualify for a loan. And it addresses the concern of being able to become your own lender, paying it back. So this, this would work perfectly for real estate investors. And granted, some real estate investors won't be able to just use a whole life policy and then borrow against it and then buy a property because you have to save up money in the policy first and grow. There's a capitalization period, a period of time where you're building up the policy. But you can always use it in smaller increments first, like you would just use it alongside down payments or alongside other loans. And then as you're paying it back and growing and have numerous policies, then you would be able to accumulate enough cash. You would be grabbing in enough cash to be able to finance your own deals. That's just one way that we could that a real estate investor could use this. Right. 
Well, kind of go down that path too. So you just kind of, I think, touched on a little bit. Can you give me an example of a strategy uh, of that strategy that where someone in their twenties could use it to mm-hmm. like paying off a mortgage, for example? I I've heard of that. How does that work? Mm-hmm. It, the way it works is you, as you're building up your cash value, you're putting in you know three hundred to five hundred dollars per month. You're capitalizing the policy, especially at a young age. It works perfectly because you have so much time to pay into the policy and to grow it over time. And now let's just, let's say fast forward, you have like ten thousand dollars in cash value in the policy. You could take your your cash value in your policy here and then borrow against that. So now you have a loan from the insurance company, and then pay down your mortgage faster. It's bringing down the balance, and then you would pay back the, to, the the amount of money you were paying towards the mortgage. You keep paying that, and then you pay back the loan repayments to the bank on your self policy. And then, so so pretty much what you're doing, long story short, is what you're doing is you're moving the balance of the mortgage to, to the, the whole life insurance exactly, yeah. and becoming your own source of financing. You're recouping all that interest you would otherwise pay to other people back into your orbit. Well, it's tax time, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the tax benefits. Are there any? Are there any? Uh, what do we get? What do we got? A lot of a lot of tax benefits. So number one, the growth of the policy as it's growing every year and earning interest and dividends, it's growing tax deferred. So as it's gaining momentum and gaining traction, you don't have to claim that on your taxes um, every year. It's growing tax deferred. And then in most situations, you're paying with after-tax dollars. So you work, you make money, you pay tax on it, and then it goes into the policy post-tax dollars. And then it grows tax deferred. And then when you take it out, it comes out tax-free. Even if there are gains and there will be gains nice. in the policy, it comes out tax-free. That's about 90% of the time we set that up. About 10%, 10% of the time, um, we set up a policy intentionally. So that way, it's called a modified endowment contract. And it's where the policy grows, but you have to pay taxes on the gains when you take the money out of it. And the client's on board, their accountants are on board with that. And that's it's part of the financial solution is to have set up that way. But most of the time, we want to be on the 0% tax side. Uh, there's a book. It's called The Power of Zero. It's a really cool book. And it talks, the author, oh, the, author talks of, yeah, the author talks about converting over from, let's say, you're the 30% tax bracket to the 0% tax bracket by utilizing dividend-paying whole life insurance. Oh. And now, let's say, let's say for example, um, you, you have this policy built up, and then tax rates go up in the future, which I think, I, I, I definitely think that tax rates will go up in the future. <laughs> yeah, thank and- <laughs> Do they ever go down? Tell me that. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're actually at an all-time low right now. So yeah. they're super low right now, and they're going to take a huge churn soon. So if your money, if you, if you have money in dividend-paying whole life insurance, and it's growing tax-deferred, and it's in a 0% tax bracket now because you've already paid taxes on it, right. no matter what tax rates go, if, if the, ta- the highest tax bracket goes from 37% to 50% in the next five years, you've created a hedge against that spike in tax rates. You have your money sitting somewhere growing tax deferred and that's going to outpace or not even outpace. It's going to be blocked from a spike in tax rates. So you have a hedge against the the increase of tax rates and a hedge against market risks too. So it's kind of like it does more than one thing that with protecting your money, it protects it from market risks and from tax, tax, tax risks too. Okay. Well, let's talk about the market volatility and the security of this type of strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, how does that work? Mm-hmm. So when we are utilizing, as mentioned, a mutually owned insurance company, this mutually insurance company has been around, there's three of them that we use. And these companies have been around for over 160 years. Okay. They've been paying out death benefits, giving policy loans, providing interest and dividends on policies for well over 160 years. So much safer than any other financial institution or other types of financial institutions in the world. And when you have your money sitting with them, 
they are obviously not investing in the stock market. They're not investing in volatile areas. They're typically about 60 to 80% of their portfolio is in the bond market. And the other 20 to 40%, depending on the company and the time, is in private loans and real estate deals. So they're super conservative and you can rely on them to have your money grow over time. And, and this is based off of okay. when you enter into a policy with one of these insurance companies, they have a guaranteed rate of return that they provide you, a guaranteed column, and then a non-guaranteed column. And the guaranteed column is, we'll give you X amount, for, for X amount of dollars you give us, we'll give you X amount of dollars back on, in guaranteed writing on a contract. The other side to the non-guaranteed side is the guarantees plus the dividends. Although the dividends are not guaranteed, we only work with companies who have always been providing dividends, regardless of market conditions. Okay, good. Well, look, I, now I do know there's some asset protection. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. I think that's some a lot of people kind of brush off. Mm -hmm. But you know, and when I say asset protection, we're talking about you know protecting from lawsuits, mm -hmm. uh, creditors, the courts, mm -hmm. crazy ex-wives. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, tell me how you know uh, this type of strategy uh, protects your money. And your assets. Yeah, exactly. You're right. It does. In most states, in most U.S. states, the cash value of the policy is protected from creditors. And you could actually look this up. Like, for example, in the state of Florida, the cash value of a whole life insurance policy is protected from outside risk. So this means if somebody sues you in Florida and then wants to leverage your assets to pay a judgment, you know, um, like a checking account would easily be accessible. Um they wouldn't be able to access your, your whole life insurance policy. So a couple of things behind that is the law views that as protected assets. The, usually state governments want people to have life insurance. So they, they give you extra protection for that because they don't want, they don't want you to get sued. And then um, you lose your life insurance now because somebody has ticked out the cash value. Right. And then now your family is affected by the lack of life insurance. So governments typically want, state governments want, and the federal government want people to have life insurance. So they want to have, they give certain protections for that. That's one reason. And the second reason is that whole life insurance is kind of like, I don't want to say a secret, but it's not so much public information. You can't just sue somebody, look up how much assets they have and find out how much cash value they have in their policy and then, and then leverage mm -hmm. that, which is what a lot, of, a lot of lawyers do before they sue people. They do their homework on them. They make sure it's even worth it to sue this person, you know? Yeah. And, and the richest people like are probably poor on paper, you know, they, they have all their money in dividend paying whole life insurance and annuities um, and companies. They, they own nothing really. Um, and if somebody were to search their assets, they'd probably find just a personal home that they own. That's it. Yeah. I mean, if that maybe. Yeah. Uh, everything else is, is sheltered and, and protected with the help of estate planning attorneys and, and asset protection attorneys. This is just the way it is, you know, because a lot of rich people are exposed to opportunists, right? A lot of people will want to take advantage of. Of, of suing rich people. And it doesn't necessarily mean they have to break the law or do something unethical or illegal. Uh, they just got a target on their back now. Yep. They just got a target, exactly. So whole life <clears throat> insurance helps a lot with that. It helps a lot with asset protection and protecting your money. And the cool thing about it is, yeah, you can kind of, I, I want to say hide your money. You can kind of keep it under the public's eye. But at the same time, if you ever need to prove your wealth, you could easily show um, a lot of institutions and and, yeah. and different people, they, they accept whole life insurance as a form of, um, net worth. So like, for example, if you wanted to be an accredited investor and they needed to verify you had a million dollars in net worth, you could show the cash value in your life insurance policy, assuming it was, yeah. a, you know, over a million dollars, that'll count. So you, in other words, you can, you could control who sees how, how rich you are.
Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's a common question on a lot of personal financial statements in the banking industry. You're absolutely correct. So, but, but is it? I mean, is it really that big of a deal, though? I mean, I mean, you, you may mention the rich. Well, that's we're we're talking about the one percent or whatever percentage mm -hmm. that is. I mean, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, what you know, what do you know what the annual stats are on lawsuits? Um, I mean, for the you know for everybody else. Yeah, I looked them up a while ago. It was like so. Um, the highest paid professionals, like surgeons, are like I think surgeons, like ninety percent of surgeons get sued at least one time in their in their career. So that's about yeah. surgeons. Um, lawyers, go figure, who get sued about one fifth of the time. <laughs> you see more of those bastards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> business owners are up there too. Business owners and real estate investors are on the ninety percent mark. So ninety percent of business owners and real estate investors get sued at least one time in their careers. Yeah. Well, and that's really important because I think right now, and I don't know what the exact stats are, but I would assume, I just know entrepreneurship and, you know, uh, is up tr way more than it used to be, right? Mm -hmm. It's astronomical compared to what it was. So everybody, mostly everybody's business owners now, uh, not many people work. I mean, there are a lot of people that work for companies, but there are so many more small business owners than there used to be. Mm -hmm. um, so you've opened yourself up to those statistics and those are just going to mm -hmm. increase as time goes on. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So what about the death benefits? Safe, obviously, but uh, what about the cash value? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the policy itself is safe. The, the cash value, the life insurance, they both grow over time. So that's another cool thing about the strategy is, is that it's not a level death benefit where it just stays the same. It grows over time. And it's important that it grows over time, that both of them. That way, by the time you know, you're 90 years old and you pass away, your family's going to get, you know, probably, you know, 20 times what the death benefit was when you first started, you know, so it's going to, it's, right. it's exponential growth and, and you want that exponential growth to pass it over to the next generation. So the policy, the death benefit, death benefit keeps growing and the cash value keeps growing. And again, we're talking about the, the performance of the mutually owned insurance company and not the performance of the stock market or the real estate market or other economies in the world. It's based off of the whole life policy, the mutually owned policy. And that's, that's important for people to understand that is that it's not, you never want, or actually, you know, some people are okay with market risks, you know, but you don't have to take unnecessary risks. If you can grow your money without taking those risks, you know, you could do it a different way. You don't have to, you, you don't have to always take risks. You know, I think that and I want to touch on risks real quick. Um, yeah. I take risks too, you know, but it's about taking necessary calculated risks, not, not unnecessary risks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you convinced me. I like this strategy. However, I am still concerned about one particular, and that's control of my money. Mm -hmm. Who has con who has control once I sign on the dotted line just below your tie? Mm -hmm. Well, at any point, um, you have you have like an online statement you can access, and there's a, a column ca cash value. It's how much cash value you have accumulated in the policy so far, and it's based off of how much dollars you've put in, also how much dividends and interest you've earned on that money. So at any time, whatever that cash value is, you could borrow up to 90% of that. No questions asked. It's guaranteed liquidity. So at any point, you could borrow up to 90% of that cash value if you wanted to. You could do 10% of that, 20% of that. And they'll send you either a check or they'll ask you which bank account you want to deposit it to. How, so how fast point, does that take? It takes about three. So that you, sign in, you sign a form, you send it into the insurance company. It takes about three to five business days and you have your money. Wow. Right in my account. That's awesome. Yes. So and access already, uh -huh. from tremendously fast, a lot faster than the banks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's already collateralized. So the bank will never ask for credit. They'll never ask for other collateral to put yeah. up for that loan. It's already collateralized by itself. The policy it's self-collateralized. 
All right. So what's the best example um, you can give where this type of strategy went above and beyond expectations for somebody? Is there any like, you know, any particular success story out there where you like, oh, you know what, this, this is why people do this. I'm glad I sell what I sell. I'm glad I, you know, uh, assist, you know, these type of individuals. Can you have, do you have an example? Yeah, so many. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so I was working with this with this case, and we're we're allocating like I think it was like fifty thousand dollars a year for a client, and it really made a lot of sense because once we scrolled down to like age seventy, every dollar he would have put into the policy would have grown by three times, three hundred percent, and he would have not have to pay taxes on that money. It would be sheltered from from creditor risks in his state. And um, he would have instant liquidity, instant access to it. And he was able to move over money from the stock market into the policy. So it, it, it provided so many additional benefits. And it was kind of like a no brainer to do it this way because of the exponential growth and increasing that value over time. Um, and, and that was just one example. And I, and I really like this, this concept because it's not, you're not tying up cash. You're not moving cash from one place and putting it in another place and tying it up. Um, you always have access to that cash value and you could always pay back the loan whenever you want. You're in control. You're the mutual owner of the insurance company. You can take control of when you want to pay back that loan. And it's never an either or concept. It's not an either or position where either I do whole life insurance or I invest in real estate or I invest in the mm -hmm. stock market. Rather, it's a way you could connect all those together. You could fund the whole life policy, borrow against it, use for real estate, pay it back, buy some stocks if you want, sell those, pay it back. There's a, but the, the whole point is that it's outpacing. It's a, it's a wonderful savings option that will outpace any market, money market account, CD, um, or a savings account at a bank. That's the point of it. It's not necessarily right. an investment option, but rather a, a powerful savings strategy. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. How does that make you feel? Though? I mean, I mean, you're doing something a little bit different. I mean, it's a whole life possible, but you created a different strategy. How does that make you feel when you, you know, help people reach their financial goals or exceed their financial goals? Yeah, it feels so. It, it's definitely a solution. It's it's solution. I've always liked uh, being a problem solver, um, which is why I wanted to be a lawyer, like we talked about at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> you really think they <laughs> solve problems? <laughs> and then I learned. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, and, no offense um, to my lawyer friends, but sorry. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, and I, I I like the solution, and then that, and also. I could actually guarantee what I'm saying. I'm not just all talk. I'm not saying, you know, your money's going to grow. You know, if something happens in the economy, the stock market crashes next, the real estate market, unemployment, whatever happens in the economy or the country, yeah. I never have to like, you know, worry about what's going to happen to my client's money, them calling me saying, what did you get me into? You know, like other financial advisors, do, yeah. you know? Um, so I never, I feel good about that, that I could just, I don't, I could sell this to anybody. I could sell this to my father-in-law, I can sell this to, you know, my own dad, I can do, I, I never have to worry about something bad going happening. And then me having to answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Any horror stories out there, not using this strategy, but maybe a horror story where someone should have utilized a strategy like this, but they didn't. Yeah. So some people also do like universal life insurance mm -hmm. and universal life. One of the downsides to it is that the fees grow over time. So it gets more expensive to maintain as you get older. And I've heard of stories where people like they've been paying into this policy and then all of a sudden, you know, now they're 65 years old and they have like no cash value in the policy. Yeah. So because it ate the, the policy ate that cash value over time because the fees became more expensive. That was just one, one horror story. Yeah, um, I've, seen, I've seen that actually happen too. <laughs> We're just like, <laughs> 
it's almost like you're like, gosh, I hope the old man dies here really quick because it's getting expensive. And, mm -hmm. you know, and you're talking at 65 and man, you start getting older, it's even worse. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. exactly. But all right. What else you got? Any anything else that I need to know about this, uh, you know, this type of strategy before I uh, jump in? Yeah, it's definitely it's a long term strategy. So like, for example, it's not something short term, short term, I think it's not a good solution at all short term, like, like, for example, if you put in $10,000 year one, your cash value is it probably 6000 in year one. Yeah, and then some a lot of clients are like, wait a minute. So if I put in 10,000, and I want to walk, walk away from this, I would walk away with 6000. And I would say, yeah, well, a couple of things, you know, you first of all, if we, if we knew that we wouldn't say we wouldn't suggest a solution for you. This yeah. is not a one-year solution. This is a 20-year, 30-year, and, and beyond that solution. You know, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a long-term strategy, and it's about taking back control of your financial life for the long-term, not necessarily on an annual basis. Uh, so that's one of the downsides is that there's a capitalization period. And, and the good thing about it is, so even though there's that dip in year one and year two, eventually you get that money back plus the interest and dividends on top of it. So you, act, you actually end up recouping all your money back and this is what proves, like when people say like whole life insurance is expensive, well, it could be expensive if it's not what we mentioned, the four checklist way, if it's not mentioned that way, it could be, it could right. be a bad investment or bad savings option. Well, let's say it is, let's say you set it up this way. It's the only form of insurance that you get back. Plus you get the protection behind it. Like if you just did term life insurance, for example, and not that it's bad, we do term insurance too within our, within our firm for some, for some clients alongside their whole life policies to increase the amount of life insurance they have over time. But let's say somebody just does, you know, some, let's just say you look at it from a cost perspective, like instead of doing it because I want to save money, I'm going to do term instead of whole life. Let's just say term is 100% sunk cost, meaning that if you get a policy, you put $100 a month in it for 20 years, every month you're putting $100 a month, you don't get, you don't get to recoup that money back. Yeah. And then 99% of the time, only 1%, less than 1% of the time, term life insurance policies actually make it to a death benefit. So yeah. if 100 people... Um, get maybe 200 people. If 200 people get term life insurance, 199 out of those 200 will survive that 20 year or 30 year period. And the insurance company will keep all that money, invest in different places, earn money on that. And then you would get nothing back from that. Yeah, absolutely. That's why it's so cheap. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So obviously I think the way to end this is to basically say, Hey, if you're young, this is the way, this is something you definitely need to be, you know, it needs to be part of your money strategy right now. You, if you're in your twenties, you're out of college, getting your first job or starting your own business, this is something you need not to even think about, but you need this type of strategy. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or at least need to know about it. So this way, once you do become more financially free, you could, or not more financially free, but you have more money you could utilize. Yeah. You don't need to be rich to utilize this. As mentioned, 300, $500 a month. But I, I highly recommend for people to understand this concept and get, get the hang of it, get familiar with it, yeah. start learning about it. It takes, it takes time to implement this. A lot of clients from the time I talk to them to the time we actually implement, it's like six months, you know, so it takes time to get the hang of it, understand it and, and really um, get a good understanding of why it's even beneficial. And that, and that's great to know that, right? Because a lot of people uh, who've dealt with insurance agents before in the past and, you know, Hey, let's get this going. Let's sign this right now. Da, 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 you're ready to go. And, um, I, I think that, you know, makes it a little bit easier knowing that, you know, this is not a, a short sales cycle for you. It's more of a longer sales cycle because you want to make sure you're, you know, implementing the correct strategies for them and understanding exactly what they want to accomplish. And it sounds like uh, you, you do a fantastic job of this. You know, I've watched you on a couple podcasts and a couple shows and, uh, uh, you're doing quite well. So, you know, keep preaching it, man. I really appreciate you coming on today.
Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me on. Oh no, yeah. So what well, before I'm not gonna let you go yet though. I did, you don't get you don't get off that easy, man. <laughs> if you watch the show, you don't you know you, know you don't get off that easy. So, uh, before we end the show, I'm gonna ask you 10 questions and you have to say the first answer that comes to your mind as fast as you can. Okay. It's part of the show that I called Get to Know Our Guests. So okay. are, are you ready to play Get to Know Sari? I'm ready. All right. And you got to answer these as fast as possible, right? Okay. And I might stop you and ask you why, because depending okay. on how you answer this, and I have a feeling you're going to answer some of these quite well. Um, <laughs> Batman or Robin, which would you be? Batman. Why? I just like Batman. Yeah, and cool? I like to be, and, and not just that, but also, yeah, I just like Batman. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You got way cooler outfits, right? <laughs> <laughs> what song best describes you? Dream On. Aerosmith. really that's a good one i <laughs> yeah. love that song man <laughs> that's probably one of the best answers i've heard i like that that's a, that's a great song that's that's one of those songs man i'm just driving down the road and that comes on i tell everyone to shut up i turn the radio up and man i just belt it out and i don't give a shit who's watching me and what lane <laughs> right that's 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 one of those cool songs what in your refrigerator right now would embarrass you if i opened it up uh, a half lemon that's not covered, just sitting in the the kitchen and the in the fridge. A half lemon uncovered. What was that from? Are you a cook or uh, is that those those lemon drop shots? No, <laughs> no. I was cooking yesterday and I just forgot to like put it in plastic or put it in something so it yeah. doesn't dry out. And I just left those guys. I'm just gonna let it. Sit. So it's only it's been in there a away. day, right? That ain't so yeah. bad. <laughs> Do you have kids? No, no. All right, yeah. We'll wait till that happens. Then anyway, you're fridge, right? <laughs> On a scale of one to 10, rate yourself on how weird you are. Five, five out of 10. Oh, really? Yeah. That's good. Okay. I'm going to let that go. So uh, <laughs> who's, your, who's your celebrity crush? Uh, I hope my wife's not listening. Um, I was about to say, are you married? Yeah. <laughs> you haven't had this discussion with her yet? How long have you been married, sir? Uh, almost three years. Uh, okay, I, that might be why. But go ahead. She won't yeah, I don't know actually. Um, oh come on, you you know you know who who's like when you like when that when she comes on, who is it? You're like yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Mine used to be Gina Gershon. I used to have the biggest crush on her. Oh really? Yeah, she's so liberal now. It's like yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of more. So you're, so you're not liberal? No. No, you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. One of the Kardashians. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we'll move on for that. We don't want to get you in trouble. Um, which which soup we talked about Batman, but which superpower would you want and why? Um to control time. I just wanted to be able to do so much in, in, in less time. Yeah, I agree with that. The older I get, I absolutely agree with that. Thanks, thank you, man. I don't know. Once you get to your forties, man, it really flies. It's crazy. What's your What's your biggest pet peeve? Um, my biggest pet peeve is like when people are rude. I don't. Know, I, in Chicago, a lot of people are rude, and that's just <laughs> something I can't stand. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I get that. I, I, I lack of patience by people. It drives me insane. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got an argument with a guy. I didn't get an argument, but I called his ass out at a, at a sporting goods store. <laughs> 
because he was just there bitching and moaning because they were, you know, he, forget, it was taking a little bit longer. They were short on, uh, they were short on uh, cashiers and there was a line, right? It's like right after the holiday, what, you know, things happen. We're in COVID all of a sudden. And he's sitting there yelling, I can't believe this. You know, we need to open up more. Give me a manager, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, I go, dude, shut the hell up, man. Get some perspective. You can't wait an extra five minutes to check out with your yuppie Yeti cooler. Give me a break, dude. I mean, God, there's, I mean, there's, I mean, I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, people are losing their jobs. People, little kids are dying of cancer and you got to get out with this Yeti cooler. Give me a freaking break. I mean, it just, yeah, that drives me bananas. Yeah. That, yeah, that, man. that, when the, um, my biggest one, and, and anybody knows who's ever driven with me is when the receipt out of the, uh, gas pump doesn't come out. That drives me bananas because like if I wanted to go inside, I would have went inside, but I don't. So why don't you fix your seat? And it doesn't happen down here as much, but back in Illinois in the cold winters, it happens all the time because they don't want to run out there and replace it because it's like, you know, five below and I don't blame them, but still it yeah. shit out of me. So yeah, now I have to get out and walk. So that pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I probably know the answer to this one. Catch up on a hot dog. Yay or nay? Um, yay. You said you're from Chicago. Are you gonna have yeah. to move, you're gonna have to move now, man? Because <laughs> that's like against the law up there, isn't it? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, no, yeah, actually, no, no, ketchup. Yeah, exactly. So I, I misunderstood. <laughs> I thought you meant like ketchup on a hot dog, like to get. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm, no, it's, no, it's, no. It's, it's a, eight, no. I, I started this podcast at eight a.m. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry. I got your ass up early. So no, no ketchup on the hot dog. That's yeah, absolutely not. Good. No, good. sorry, Chicago. I was, I was about, yeah. I, I was going to reach in through the screen and punch you. No, I'm joking. Um, most embarrassing thing you ever wore? Most embar embarrassing thing I ever wore? Yeah. Um, oh, man. Um, a, a, a Conor McGregor suit. <laughs> Why the hell did you wear a Conor McGregor suit? No, no, no. It was, no, it's a suit. Oh, the suit. Wins. Like, yeah, yeah. You wore one of those? Yeah, yeah, and I looked completely. It was like it was like blue and like checkered, and it just looked completely awful on me. It was, everybody yeah. was laughing at me when I wore it. That's funny, funny as hell. What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen in someone else's home? Um, weirdest thing. I'm looking around my home. That's <laughs> 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 um, a tough one, man. I. Weirdest thing I've ever seen in somebody's home. I asked this because I, I, I remember my, my wife and I, when we first went house shopping together, we would look at all these different houses. And I was just like, you walk into people's homes and you're just like, what the flip? I mean, what, what do you, I mean, you know, I remember one house had like mirrors on the ceiling, mirrors on the walls, all of them. It was like creepy. I literally walked in and walked out and like sprayed lights all over myself. Cause I was like, what the flip is going on in there? And then, uh, <laughs> uh, what else is another, I remember another, oh uh, yeah. And then I just another, remembered, yeah. Yeah. My friend just bought a house and he has in one of his bedrooms upstairs, he has a closet. And then in the closet, there's another closet inside of it. And then it goes through the attic. And then you can walk in the attic, walk around it, and then go to another bedroom around through that, through that um, closet in that room so it's like two rooms with two closets and, and then each closet there's a room to the attic that was weird that's kind of creepy right yeah <laughs> let me put some padlocks yeah. on that thing i wouldn't be yeah it was like a documentary i felt like when we were going through it 
Yeah, right. <laughs> Al Capone's vault, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, thank you for taking your time out of your busy schedule and coming on the show today. And thank you for sharing with, um, you know, your life experience. Uh, I didn't know you, yeah. probably, you probably didn't think you're going to get into that. And especially the knowledge you shared with us today. It's been an extreme pleasure, buddy. I really, really, truly appreciate it. Thanks, Curfew. Thank you so much for having me on. I had a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. Is there anything you want to bring up or plug before we end the show? I, I want oh. you to do that. Yeah. So, you know, let's, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I'm a big fan of books and I'll throw in a free copy of the book called Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. If, if listeners go to finassetprotection.com, F-I-N, assetprotection.com. And the book pretty much talks about this infinite banking concept and how you could use it. So I'll send it to you for free. You don't need to schedule an appointment. Just reach out and I'll send you a free copy of that book. Okay, that's great. And I heard you say earlier that even though you're in Chicago, you don't deal with just individuals in Chicago. You deal with everybody all across the country, correct? Yeah, all 50 so, states, correct. Okay, great. So how can they get a hold of you, man? Yeah, the best way is through the website, finassetprotection.com, F-I-N, assetprotection.com. I'm also active on LinkedIn, Siri Ibrahim. And you can, you can connect from uh, LinkedIn from the website too. Okay, fantastic. Great, great, great. Well, there you have it, friends. The talented and young Mr. Siri Ibrahim. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and then leave a five-star review on that platform if you've enjoyed today's show. And as always, I'm grateful for all of our listeners who tune in from all over the world. Do not forget that you can pick up our award-winning beard products called Hashtag Biz, ACS, and Wolfpack Gear, and other Hashtag Biz with the Beard merchandise on my website at acsexec.com. And there you have it. Another show is in the books, but never fear. The beard will always be here. And until next episode, same beard time, same beard channels. Thank you for listening to hashtag biz with the beard podcast. Remember, every genius idea starts with the stroke of a beard. Have a successful day.
Hey, hashtag biz with beard and bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by ACS Executives. Let me ask you something. As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you can drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you're very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. We share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.